All right. Welcome back to the show. This is Chasing Function, and this is Kai. And this is Noah. And, and we're going to talk Thornis? sore. Thor. Are you sore? I'm kind of sore. Do you get sore? I do get sore sometimes. How sore do you get? Why do you get sore? How come oh. it's two days later? What? <laughs> so we talked in DOMS, Delayed Onset Muscle Soreness. So for those of you that aren't aware of what DOMS are, DOMS are this idea that we are not necessarily sore the day of our training session, but instead a couple days later, typically within 72 hours. And that delayed onset muscle soreness is due to, and Kai will tell me the, the, the general conceptual idea around it. Yes. So to, to start with, um, what, what they found is that the mechanism for delayed onset more muscle soreness is not really completely understood, but the, um, the pain they say is ultimately thought to be microtraumas or lactic acid buildup, muscle spasms, connective tissue damage, inflammation, or enzyme efflux. Um, so some of the mechanisms that they kind of propose are like high tension. So like eccentric or slowing the weight down um, in the um, contractile elastic system of the muscle that results in structural damage, or there is cell membrane damage that disrupts um, the homeostasis of the injured fibers. Um, what else is there? Some of it's caused by high intensity exercise with the tiny microscopic tears, um, or like un unfamiliar strenuous physical activity especially during the first few days or weeks of performance. Okay. So a couple things jump out to me in the good and bad. Mm -hmm. um, when talking about damage, when they're talking about those microfiber tears, that's just strength training. You yeah. don't get more or less based on when you do it, right? Like, so the idea is like with delayed onset muscle, muscle soreness is it tends to happen with new exposure, which they reference, which I think is important. Yes. But what's also important to understand is that the perceived trauma to tissue isn't necessarily greater or less the third or fourth output around the movement, right? Like it, it, if I'm on my, my fourth week of squatting, the damage isn't perceived to be different. And, and realistically, those of you that know that have lifted weights know that even if you lift more weight in week four, you won't be as sore as you were in week one. Right. So that I think debunks this idea of it's damaged to tissue. The other thing is the lactate, right? So there's a lot of discussion around a lot of people believe, um, and this is kind of bro sciencey, but they believe that the inherent issue is that there's a lactic acid buildup in a tissue because of the amount of damage that lactic acid, acid can be flushed, flushed, quote unquote, um, the following day by doing some sort of like steady state cardio, things like that. So there's a lot to unravel with that. But that's those are my two quick analysis of what the the definition says. Does anything stand out to you, Kai? Um, I mean, because I like to dive into inflammation, I think that there's um, – something to be said about, you know, the 
structural damage and inflammation have having to happen, right? You get swollen, um, you know, the, the gym body pump, right? Inflammation yeah. um, comes in. So there is some sort of um, an inflammatory response, which means that there is going to uh, possibly be pain responses as well. So in my head, that's kind of where I go with, with that. So, so the inherent question then becomes, what is the line of trauma to drive enough of an inflammatory response to cause discomfort and pain? Is it quantifiable? So what I learned in the fascial counterstrain world is that uh, we have all these, you know, cytokines, right? The whole cytokine storm. I'm sure people have heard of those. Those are just the inflammatory response um, molecules or whatever you want to call them. Um, so if there, enough of those are released and the tissue is not healing, then what happens is it sends out another cytokine that then stops uh, lymphatic pump uh, mechanisms and elicits a pain response um, through the uh, the muscles um, okay. through to the spinal cord which then goes to the brain so there could be a response if the inflammatory response is so high um, but that the the quantifiable part i'm i am not sure and so the in the research I've done around this, what I've found is that there isn't a qual qualifiable reason for soreness or stiffness, right? So like what they what you'll find is that maybe an untrained person with less exposure, with high levels levels of exposure gets more sore than somebody who's maybe more seasoned. Um, you'll see that the really, really seasoned athlete maybe never gets sore. You'll find that maybe they only get sore on initial exposure without secondary soreness. Um, and so it's interesting because there isn't an answer, right? Which is always funny. Like working in a group fitness community, I have all these people do the same workout. And then you ask them two days later who's sore. And the information that you get is widespread. Yeah. Some people are like, oh, my God, my legs are sore from that workout. And then others are like, well, my legs aren't sore at all. My shoulders are sore. And then others are like, oh, well, like I'm not sore in the least bit, actually. And then some are like, well, I wasn't sore the day after, but I was sore two days after. I mean, in the you literally, you hear it, it's all over the place. And so to me, when you start like having conversations around like cytokine storms, you start having conversations about like lactic threshold, you start having all these discussions. What stands out to me is all of these are nervous system responses around trauma. And so I wonder if we're looking at this in the wrong way because we're looking in the light of lactate, lactate, right? And, you know, those of you that have been with us for a little bit have heard us podcast about recently about um, lactate and how we have measurable amounts of stress through looking at lactate. So you can look at lactate and it'll tell you where your nervous system threshold is at and where you are in your nervous system state. So what if there's a direct correlation between that and just nervous system exposure, right? So what if if I just sustain fight for too long, right? And my body's just kind of uncomfortable. The response is, please don't do that again. 
right? I, I, the, this conversation, well, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, I was, you were going to say something. with you. Okay. So I think the, the interesting thing about this conversation is, is, you know, like, it's funny because we, we kind of dug deep on this one, trying to get some like really good quantifiable analysis. And in the end, there isn't much. And like, when I think about like the, the great doctor, Andy Galpit, one of the things he talks about is the only thing that they say, in tr- they see in terms of consistency is the newness of the exposure, which is like, is this a new workout? Right. And so people get really, really sore in CrossFit because everything's new every day because there's no stimulus that's the same. Right. Um, bodybuilders might get really sore in their first block and then they don't get sore after that. Right. Um, ironically, and, and I don't know, I haven't really gotten sore, like really sore in probably 20 years with lots of variability in training, right? Like lots, like, um, actually I take that back. I got really sore. (laughs) This is sound funny. Played in an old man softball tournament. And I hadn't played in one of those years. We played six games. Uh, that actually made me very sore. My feet were sore. Uh, my legs were sore. Um, lots of swings, lots of aggressive swings, lots of plyometrics, all new things to me. Um, but in terms of strength training, I like I do CrossFit a couple days a week. You know, doesn't make me sore at all. And, and you know, we're intensity with or variable intensity. Um, my strength protocols change pretty regularly. Um, and they don't, I don't really get sore from that either. Now you could say I've been training for 20 plus years with no breaks and that's why. Um, and that I'm just comfortable under load. You could also say that maybe I'm not training hard enough. Right? Like maybe like my nervous system preserves itself and doesn't allow me to push to that threshold. Um, back when I was training strongman, I found that, that would get me a little bit sore, I guess, when that was, you know, it was 15 years ago, but, um, but I was pushing pretty hard. So I, to me, the, the driver is variability and intensity, not necessarily all the like lactic conversation. Yeah. I think that, you know, the thing that I've seen pretty consistently, at least with clients is that when they first start out, Right. When they when they're like, you know, I haven't worked out in years or I haven't worked out in in a while. Um, And then they start doing very, very basic, you know, weight training or just very basic exercise. That's when they're the most sore. Right. So they haven't done it in a long time and it's quote unquote new. Right. Maybe they've weight lifted and then they took a break for several years because of what X, Y and Z and then they get back into it, they're still going to be sore because their muscles aren't adapted to it. And I think that's something um, to consider also is the adaptation process, right? If you're always trying to adapt, then your nervous system is kind of running on that aspect of the nervous system to adapt to the stresses that you're putting on it. So it could be like a, um, I guess you would call it like trauma threshold, maybe. Right. increasing every time that you like for example for you like if you're constantly uh, altering the types of training that you're doing crossfit and strength training and um and and steady state cardio and this and that you're always keeping that threshold higher and higher and so for for 
you know, people that have not worked out in a long time and they start working out, they're going to be sore. They're going to have, you know, a, a trauma response that elicits the pain and the, and the, you know, hard to stand up and hard to move your arms and all these things. But over time, their threshold begins to increase. And then by week four or five, they're like, oh yeah, I'm not sore anymore. So I think that the whole idea that um, it's more so this nervous system response versus like, oh, we need to get all the lactate, lactic acid out of you and, you know, um, do a bunch of steady state cardio to flush all that stuff out and, and all this other stuff that may help, I think, but it's a, just another variable to the exercise, right? Um in order for them to keep adapting to the stresses that they're putting on their body. And I think it's interesting because when you look at things like steady state cardio, um, baseline movement patterns, yoga, whatever you want to call it, the, all of those are built around controlling regulatory pattern and creating down regulation. Right. And so the irony is that, Maybe lactate is what drives soreness, but what we know to be true about lactate now, based yeah. on a conversation that we had you know, a few weeks back talking about Julian, is that we know that th lactate is more of a, th a level of threshold on stress that's yeah. directly related to stress, not just in the fitness capacity. And so that if we can measure standard stressors, then the answer is manage your exposure. So going back to our old balloon analogy around the nervous system, if your balloon is really, really, really full, right? You're already driving these cytokine storms. And so the answer is you got to lessen the balloon, right? So the irony of that is, is what does that mean for you as a fitness officiato or you as a trainer or whoever's listening to this right is you have to be able to manage your machine well meaning that one if you're a trainer you better understand who's in front of you and you better understand exposure to that person because you can really screw up a few days for them right and then yeah. two i think if you're the person themselves I think you have to ask yourself, where is my, my stress threshold and can I control my capacity or down regulation? One of the first things I teach every single one of my private clients, especially around fitness, is nasal breathing cardio. Yeah. It's the first tool I give every single one of them. And my sales, my, my sales tactic around it is, hey, it's going to give you access to your diaphragm, which gives you access to your obliques, which gives you access to pelvic control. And that is true, right? Like if I can create oblique expansion and I can depress my obliques, then I have to do that with my, my or I'm sorry, if I can expand my diaphragm, I have to be able to depress my diaphragm. The thing that depresses my diaphragm is the obliques and transverse abdominis, right? So, but the added benefit is you now have a tool around regulatory patterns. So if you call me and you're like, yo, I'm fucked up. I can tell you, hey, go jump on the stationary bike. Give me 20 minutes of nasal breathing cardio and let's create the regulatory pattern so that we can create a, a cytokine storm. Let's allow the inflammatory system to happen, right? 
Remember, guys, the inflammatory system only happens if we can get into down-regulatory patterns, yeah. right? That's a huge misnomer. So to just to get it out of my mind and out, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. So <clears throat> with Julian's principle of lactate, right? If we are doing high-intensity, you know, really hard work, we're producing lactate or energy, right? Mm -hmm. Burn the questions. Um, Correct. So for somebody who has never worked, not never, hasn't worked out in a while, and they do their workout, their perception of hard work is high versus like me and you, it's probably not as high. But for them, it's really, really high. And so they're producing all this energy. And then... Um, you know, when they're done, they have all that energy in their bloodstream or wherever it is. So then that's where the lactic acid buildup comes in. And so then to alleviate that, they do the steady state nasal breathing cardio to bring the nervous system down in order for them to quote unquote flush the lactic uh, acid buildup or utilize the lactate. Um, to then downregulate their nervous system so then they aren't as sore. Yeah, so to add to that, there, I have two things out of that. One is it's important to evaluate where their lactic acid threshold is, right? So if yeah. their balloon is, is halfway full and I throw some more in that balloon, we got a problem, right? So if somebody comes to me and measures with high levels of lactate, right? then any exposure is going to be a lot of exposure. Yeah. Right. Like anything you, you do is going to feel like a lot to them. So yeah. you're going to, you're going to be like, Oh, I, we did 10 air squats and they're going to be like, I was sore as shit. Well, it's because their, their exposure was already high. And I think that that's the misnomer with people is that they don't understand that the inflammatory process happens when down regulated. Right. If you guys think about lactate in terms of a scope of measurement, the higher my lactate is and the more lactate that's being produced, the harder it is for me to recover because yeah. the higher the lactate, the higher the stressor, the less likely we are to have our lymphatic system do its job. So the only way to drive a quality of lymphatic response is to reduce lactate. Yeah. But the only way you can reduce lactate is to reduce stressors. Yeah. Meaning that somebody who... Uh, doesn't eat well or somebody who has a very difficult job or somebody has a, a tough family life or all of those things, those exposures are going to affect their ability to recover in the gym. And I think that's something that, that really needs to be kind of had a, a better discussion has to be had around is like, you know, all these, a lot of these practitioners like, well, we're holistic in nature, but the thing is, is they're not taking into consideration what people's life look, like, looks like. And by not taking into consideration what their lives look like, we're not taking into consideration their capacity to recover. Well, without taking into consideration our, their capacity to recover, we have to evaluate that and how much exposure we give. Right? So if somebody has a very stressful, high lactic threshold life by nature because of a poor relationship at work or I mean, going for days, then their exposure has to be less. So when we go back to that discussion around steady state cardio, 
then it becomes really interesting, right? Because when you take somebody who's very overweight, their best their best resource around losing weight is steady state cardio. It's not HIT training. Yeah. Right. So like Gary Brecker right now is talking all about this, how he doesn't have people weight lift to start, right? His his weight loss clients start with the the 30, 30, 30, right? The within 30 minutes of waking, 30 grams of fat, and 30 minutes of steady state cardio, right? And so if you ask what he's trying to do, he's taking an energy source that doesn't drive the lactic response, right? And then he's putting them into a calm essentially meditative state, right? Or early so that we can jumpstart their lymphatic system. So what he's doing is he's reducing inflammation. And it's interesting because, you know, and again, I don't agree with everything Gary Brecker says, but one of the things that you have to keep in mind is what Gary Brecker is working towards is not to help people lose weight. It's to take people that are at high risk of illness or death and bring them down. So if you listen to the conversation with Dana White, Everything around that conversation with Dana White was, you're going to chill out, dude. Yeah. All your biomarkers respond in a way that says, not only do you have a gene mutation that's potentially hazardous and dangerous, but you're using carbohydrates as your primary driver and your, your stressors are very, very high. So what do you do with Dana White? He stopped having him lift weights, right? He started having him doing meditative breathing. He started having him do uh, cold exposure. And he, you know, he's like, cold exposure you know, stimulates brain fat cells and all blah, blah, blah. The truth of the matter of what cold exposure is going to do, and, and we can do a whole podcast about this, but it's just controlled breathing, right? Yeah. Any of you that have had cold exposure, you get in, <clears throat> you have an initial response, your lactate production goes up, and then you have to control yourself in a stressful environment. So what you have to do is find your breath. If you don't have capacity around finding your breath, cold exposure can be incredibly dangerous, yeah. right? Wim Hof tells us that people don't die of hypothermia, they die of panic, yeah. right? The body's ability to handle cold exposure is significantly better than we think. So this guy's over here climbing freaking mountains in the snow. And, in, you know, I think I legit think he was in like tennis shoes and shorts and t-shirt, right? Yeah. Frozen beard, all the good stuff. And so I don't think anybody's asking why, right? And hopefully I, there's some clarity here, right? If I can control my recovery pattern, I can manage DOMS well. And so going back to my original statement of it's been 20 years since I've really been sore, my recovery process is really solid. I practice nasal breathing cardio. I'm able to bring my heart rate down. Um, I work towards really quality sleep patterns. Uh, I'm working towards a relatively anti-inflammatory based diet, right? Trying to eat carbs around my workout, proteins otherwise, right? All of those things are going to manage my lactate threshold, meaning that my lactate threshold is high. Like I have this capacity because my balloon is empty. I don't go into a workout with a bunch of air, you know, yeah. lactate in my system. People think I'm insane. I work out to reggae music. <laughs> Literally, I have like Bob Marley going on while I'm squatting, right? But all of that allows me to control my threshold. I'm doing everything in calm, right? And so, you know, this isn't me saying that I'm I'm better or smarter than anybody, but but I do think 
that our scope of how we look at lactate and delayed onset muscle soreness is wrong. And I think that you can manage it in a much better way, much better way if you can teach people how to bring their lactic threshold down first and lower that baseline starting point so that they have more wiggle room. Because all these people walk around with really high levels of lactate, not because of training, but because their lives are hard. Yeah. You know? Like, imagine somebody who has aggressive amounts of trauma. Like, we know, based on the study that Julian cited, was that those people are walking around with high, high, high levels of lactate. And they they don't work out, right? So what does that mean if they do work out? Does that mean that they're going to lose weight? Because remember, you only build muscle during the recovery phase, which is with quality sleep, right? So think about I have aggressive stressors because I already don't sleep well and I already don't manage my ship well. Then I go to the gym and I train my ass off only to go home and not sleep well and not recover. And my lactate is already high. So I'm not going to build any muscle. But if I don't build any lean muscle, there's nothing to metabolize the fat. So it's funny because it's like you'll talk to these, especially with women who are really, really conscious about weight. You know, they'll go into the gym and they'll gain five pounds early on. And they're so concerned about five pound weight gain. But that five pound weight gain to me means that everything's going exactly as planned, right? You're going to gain five and you'll drop 10 very quickly after. And anyone who's a trainer knows that's true, right? Thank the Lord we have an in-body scanner at my gym now, which makes life much, much easier because now at least we have some sort of like data and feedback. Yeah. But it's it's really, it's interesting to me. And that's why having this discussion around delayed onset muscle soreness I thought was important because I think it's, uh, a bigger conversation point than just why well, I was sore. Yeah, I think, and and the timing of it, right? Like New Year's coming up, and people are going to start hitting the gym, but then that they haven't hit since last January or February, right. and so they're going to complain of soreness, and they're going to complain of like, you know, if they start with a trainer, right? And you know, the first day that trainer just like takes them through it crushes them crushes them and so then they're sore and then they don't want to come back right because they work out then it's soreness but you know like we've talked about through this whole podcast it's like that's not necessarily a deterrent for you it's it's you got to manage and control those things like really take into account what your lifestyle is like what your stress level is like um and um train accordingly you know like you're high stress, got a crazy stressful job, you don't sleep well, maybe start with some cardio and then work your way into weights. Um, if you're someone who hasn't worked out in a while, they feel sedentary, that they feel a little depressed, maybe working out hard would be beneficial. So I think that the timing of this and um, the information is uh I mean, hopefully it's helpful for people to bring into the new year and bring into um, the new journey for them to 
lose weight or gain muscle or whatever they want to do. So, so quick little story that kind of gave me, uh, reminded me, uh, one of my, my patients that I work with who listens to the podcast, so this would be hilarious because she's going to hear this and die. Cause it, it's, it's, it, it, it just fits this conversation pretty, pretty clearly. Right. So she comes to me, she had trained with me in the past, um, when I owned my gym in California, um, she's really good athlete moves well, um, capacity to shut down and go hard is very, very high. And so she reaches back out to me, you know, 10 years later and is like, Hey, I'm going through some stuff. I've got some weird hormonal stuff going on that nobody can seem to figure out. The blood markers aren't panning out. Like they're not, the, the blood responses aren't telling my story in terms of how I feel. And so we give her a training block, moderately low level in terms of intensity. And it, 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 I mean, it crushes the sport girl, like crushes her. Comes back to me. She's like, Hey, we're like two weeks in. And like, I feel like I've been hit by a truck. And I'm like, okay, we shouldn't feel like you've been hit by a truck. So like, let's, let's have a diff- another conversation. I said, let's write you another block. Let's way, let's back up on the volume. Let's back up on the complexity and let's add in nasal breathing cardio. And ironically, she measures her HRV and she had a very, very, very low HRV, like, like an alarmingly low for somebody of her fitness level and her physique. So he says, say, okay, we're going to train two days a week. We're going to do one upper, one lower. That's it. They're going to be pretty simple. I want you to do them slow, trying to manage your heart rate. And then I, I want two to three days of nasal breathing cardio. She says, okay. So she's a good little Indian. She does the things. So again, we have, we have data, right? Because she's been using the aura ring for quite some time. Her HRV jumps by like 40% in like three weeks. All of a sudden, a bunch of those like hormonal responses that that made her feel all kind of icky, she's they just start kind of fading away, and she starts having a bunch of like clarity in her life. She starts, and you know, not to say that the training did that, but I I wonder if those things go hand in hand, right? I'm sleeping better. I'm able to be more like present in the moments that I need to be. Um, my lactate is being is now under control my hrv is up which means that the regulatory patterns of my heart are being managed correctly right your hrv only climbs if you're sleeping right so those of you that don't that don't have a whoop or an aura ring if you don't sleep well your hrv is plummeted so one shitty night of sleep will make your hrv go down 50 60 70 percent um we always jokingly laugh about it like me and my friends like we'll have hrvs of like one like we went out drinking last night. Like we had a good, good, we had a good night. Right. And two days later, my HRV would be like 90. Right. But that tells me that day, my nervous system was in really bad shape. But my point here is, is that by lowering her existing lactic threshold, it gave her room to actually start training, which then gave her body space to recover and allowed her to start building muscle. So all of a sudden, the physique starts to look good. The clarity comes back in the brain. She starts to feel good. And then she went from hating nasal breathing cardio. I mean, like, she was, like, loathed nasal breathing cardio to, like, oh, I really like it. Like, I really find, like, a lot of calm with it. And so this story just outlines this conversation, right? Like, I've seen it happen in real life. I've seen the practical application of this conversation. We ha- delayed onset muscle soreness 
means that you've exceeded your threshold. Typically, typically in well-trained population and healthy people, I think that's because they've got a new exposure that freaks out their nervous system. In everybody else, I think it's an indication that the machine might be broken. So yeah, so Kai, what do you think? Mic drop. Mic drop. All right, <laughs> cool. So we stayed we stayed relevant, um, guys. As always, thank you for listening. Um, special shout out to one of my good friends, Mister Almond, for um, sparking these discussions internally. Um, greatly appreciate it because Kai and I are over here running dry on ideas, and you're helping us out. So. Um, if you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, you can always reach out to us at Chasing Function on Instagram. You can also reach out to me at root.solution on Instagram and Facebook. Kai? And you can reach me at Control the Basics. Thank you, guys. We'll see you.